about the gift of Christmas. So we all know Christmas is a time of giving gifts. It's usually what we expect. I grew up, could never sleep Christmas Eve. Who knows the feeling? Because I'm always wondering, what am I going to get? What's under the Christmas tree? And I'd always be searching. And sometimes you have this horrible feeling thinking like, I can't find my name on any present here. Did I get forgotten? And so Christmas is a, a time that we know uh, that we give each other gifts. Have you ever met someone who um, finds it hard to accept a gift? There's some people who you can't give a gift to. It's like you try and give them a blessing or you try and give them a gift and they're like, oh, no, 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 don't give me that. I, I, can't, I can't accept the gift. So some people are like that. Um, uh, they don't know how to receive. Um, perhaps there's, there's others who um, you've received gifts from but you've felt an awkwardness and a, like an obligation. It's like you, you think someone's, they've, they've given me a gift but you don't quite trust their motive. Have you ever felt that? Sometimes you, get the, you, you may receive a gift, but you think, is this free? Or is there something attached to this that, that I don't really need? So God is not a giver like that. And we need, to, we need to have a perspective of God that he wants to give us. He wants to put things into our lives. He wants to give us good things. And we need to be learners spiritually to receive good gifts from God. So the story of Christmas is a story of Jesus, uh, duh, but uh, often we forget that. It's a story of Jesus. It's a story of God's gift to the world. So Christmas is the story of God's generosity and his plan for humanity, which, is, which includes every single person that has lived and will ever live and is in this room right now. God has a plan for your life. Um, so this morning... All this year, we've been speaking on the supernatural and about how the supernatural is, a, is a, an element that we need to learn to live in because everything about Jesus is supernatural. We're going to look at some of those things this morning, but I want us to continue on the theme of supernatural and we're going to see that Jesus is a supernatural gift to us. So um, he, he, Jesus had a supernatural birth. Um, he had a supernatural purpose and he brought us to an encounter so that we can live in supernatural things, whatever that might mean in your situation and your circumstance. But this morning, I want to take you through some, only one ancient prophecy that relates to Jesus' birth, and I want us to talk about and look at the significance of Jesus and how his life applies to our life. So hopefully, we're just going to pray and hopefully the Holy Spirit will spark something in you as I speak. That's not my words. I want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning that will bring clarity to who Jesus is to us today. So why don't we just pray for a moment and then we'll continue. Lord Jesus, we just want you to speak to us today. Lord, I pray that every heart be open, every ear hear beyond what the natural can hear. And may our spirits be awakened and open to something supernatural and something powerful this morning, I pray. Again, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin the message today looking at just one prophecy of Jesus. And this starts with a, a compromising, doubtful king of Judah. His name is Ahaz. Everyone say Ahaz. That's just a pastor's way or preacher's way of keeping people awake. Ahaz, he's a king of Judah, and he's, um, his understanding and attitude of God was 
was an indicator of the whole nation of Judah. And I think he's not so different or, or distant to a lot of people's uh, uh, understanding or relationship with God today. And we're going to look at him this morning. I know it's a strange place to start a Christmas message, but I think when you, when you, re, when you hear me read this, you'll understand where it's coming. So it's found in uh, 2 Kings chapter 16. Just for some background, I'm not going to read that all out to you. But Ahaz, it says, he took um, gold and silver from God's temple and he gave it to a foreign king for protection. He gave it to the king of Assyria. It was another, another neighboring nation. It would be like if we took all the treasury from Australia, all the gold, all the, all the money, and went to some other country and said, we'll give it all to you, but we want your protection. But uh, we wouldn't do that, of course, as we have our own army. But to the king Ahaz, he's thinking, well, I don't trust my army. I don't even trust God. So I'm going to search for somebody else so I can give all the treasure that was meant for God and I'll give it to them so that I can be protected, so I can have security. So he, he took all that gold and, and he also did something else very interesting. He replaced God's altar in the temple that was built for God and he, he put a pagan altar there and he copied that from another temple that he saw somewhere else. And he said, well, I'm going to take out the, where sacrifices are made for God. I'm going to remove that and, and I'll take away God's altar and I'll replace it with a pagan altar and I'll give my sacrifices on that altar instead. So Ahab, uh, sorry, Ahaz represents people who know God but for some reason make sacrifices on foreign altars and seek security in foreign armies but not from God. And I'll tell you something, we can be in church all our life and be like an Ahaz kind of a person, an Ahaz kind of a thinker. But it's not unlike people today to do that. So it's not about church attendance. It's not about uh, um, where you might fellowship for church. It's about a relationship with Jesus where you have the right kind of altar set in your life. I know this is very spiritual, maybe a little bit spooky to get your head around, but having the right kind of altar in your life that you offer sacrifices to Jesus, the King of Kings, and that you put your security and your faith and your life experience protected under his name, not some other thing that you're hoping to find security in. Now, when I read, when I read this uh, next part of Scripture to you, we have the benefit of history or the benefit of hindsight. We can look back at this scripture and say, well, we can understand it. We know what it means. But for those who heard it for the first time, uh, King Ahaz and his court, it would have seemed a random, incoherent message. Um, but God was reaching out to Ahaz. Oh, sorry, Ahab. Ahaz. Sorry, I've, I've, I've mucked up my words here. I put Ahab instead of Ahaz, but it's Ahaz. But God was reaching to Ahaz, even though he had rejected God. So let's read the story. So sorry for my confusion there. I have written the wrong name in my notes, so that doesn't help me at all. And I can't blame anyone because I write my own notes. I need a new speechwriter. Isaiah 7, verses 10 to 14. It says, Later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation. Ahaz, make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Then Isaiah said, listen, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patient, patience of God as well? Verse 14 says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, 
the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now we would know that from our, our perspective of history, our perspective of, of the Bible, our knowledge of Christmas. We've all heard the story of Jesus being born of Mary, who was a virgin. So this has been prophesied and it's pointing to Jesus. This and many other prophecies point to Jesus. And we recognize it and we know that. But he's the Savior promised to the world through the ancient prophets. I love the, the last part of that prophecy. It says, Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And we sing the song like that, um, that, that God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And when we consider Jesus Christ um, coming as a baby, it's ushering in a new, a new relationship with God and people where we have Jesus Christ as God in the flesh who lived a life just like us. So Jesus will go to, to his birth, the supernatural conception, so there was no human father, but he was conceived you know, in a totally unnatural kind of a method. It says, it says the, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and she'll call him Emmanuel. So, Let's fast forward from that point, from that prophecy that, that I've just read to you. About 700 or so years later, now that's a, a long time. That's a, a, enough space of time to forget the prophecy, especially, I guess, in those days, relying on just written words and, and uh, things like that. We, we have, I guess, today we would think we, we can't forget things because we, we could go back and listen to the tape. We can go back and watch the footage. But in those days, they didn't have all that kind of stuff. But if we go forward about 700 years, um, just to get it into context, um, Australia's been around, I think, uh, it was first colonised in 1778, somewhere like that. That's about 240 or so years ago. And, and you, you can imagine a, if a prophecy was spoken that day, and I don't know if one was or not, but if a prophe prophecy was spoken by a sailor getting off the, that, that fleet of ships from England and said, now therefore I decree that this country will be a place of blessing, that many people will find salvation in Christ. And, and it was spoken way back then with no recording, with no, with no method to, to keep that safe, then I think probably that it would be lost over that period of time. Now, the, what's amazing about the prophecies of Jesus is they were preserved for thousands of years and hundreds of years until the time of their fulfillment. Now, I'll just take a moment of diversion right now, and you may have had words spoken. So the last few weeks I've been speaking about the prophetic, and you may have received prophetic words. If you've been in church for a long time, you may have had a word spoken over you. Maybe you've read something in the Bible and it's, it's, it's sparked something of faith in you, but you haven't seen it realized yet. You've got, to, you've got to remind yourself that what God speaks, he fulfills. And what God spoke 700 years through the prophet Isaiah, he fulfilled through Mary and through Joseph and through the birth of Jesus in a totally miraculous, supernatural way. So, if you're waiting for a prophecy, don't give up on that prophecy. Do what you have to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on serving God, and you'll see these things come to pass. Let's go forward to Matthew 1, verse 18. Now, this is just a, a narrative of Jesus' birth. It's a fulfillment of the prophecy we just saw. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. 
His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's totally supernatural, totally totally out there, things that can't happen are happening. And she will have a son and you'll, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So verse 22 says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, which we just saw earlier. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So we see that Jesus came with a supernatural, a supernatural method. He didn't come through a normal, a normal man and woman kind of relationship. It was a divine and human relationship. So Jesus came in a supernatural way, but he also came with a supernatural purpose. And we want to look at that for a, uh, for a moment. So the supernatural reason for Jesus, or the supernatural purpose of Jesus. We've got to go right back to the, the start of the world. God made the world perfect. Sin encroached upon that perfect world, and the perfection was lost. So we, people have lots of questions about why is this? Why is that? Why do, we, why do we have sickness? Why do we have disease? Why do we have poverty? Why do we have starvation? And I'll just throw this in. This is not part of my notes. But what the devil is a master of doing. Now, introdu- well, we're going to look at the dark side a bit later, but I can't help myself. I'll get to it sooner. What the devil is a master of doing is turning the, the, turning the tables and trying to blame God for his handiwork. So people will often have questions. Why does God let that happen? Why did God let let this or that happen? You know, bad things happen as a result of humankind giving the devil authority that isn't his. And whenever whenever you give him that authority, mayhem and, 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 and pain and hurt and suffering will follow around that. So it's not God who creates natural disasters it's not God's punishment it's not God's will it's not God's purpose it's God's purpose to save us from all that there are the results of mankind having a rebellious heart to God and then getting a new boss who's a tyrant does that make sense to you this morning now I don't know where I'm at God made the world perfect and sin encroached upon it And God wanted to do something to fix it because he loved the world. Because he loved people, he wanted to do something to fix it. So he came himself in a way to be able to deal with sin and destroy its power. John 3.16 is probably the most uh, well-known scripture, the most memorized verse in the Bible. If you ever went to Sunday school, you might have learned it there. I never learned anything in Sunday school, by the way. I was always the one who couldn't remember anything. And they used to give you things to take home, go and stay. And, you know, you never look at it. Next Sunday, you go to Sunday school with your tight shorts on and hurt your shoes that hurt too much because you had to dress up in those days. And you go, and you go, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. So no lollies. No, no prize. 
I'm still scarred and hurt from it. But it says this, for John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the supernatural reason of Jesus was so that no man, no woman, no person would have to be separated from the love of God. So Jesus came to make a way so that we could receive that love. So a Christmas tradition I love, I mentioned it earlier, is the giving of gifts. I think that is my primary love language is receiving gifts. <laughs> that's not giving them, that's give me, give me. In essence, Christmas signals God's best and most amazing gift to us. To understand Christmas is to understand the good news that God loves people. And we can make it personal and, and tell ourselves, God loves me. And I know that can be a very foreign thing to try and understand. God would, wouldn't even notice me. All the millions of people that have ever lived, how could God notice me? I want to tell you, I want to assure you today, not only does God notice you, he sent Jesus for you. And he loves you and he wants to save you from the ravages of what the enemy wants to give you. Make Jesus your new boss and life will be different. Doesn't mean that everything will go away, but you have someone who will stand with you through every fire, through every storm. That's the one thing that we read through the Bible. It doesn't say that people suddenly just hovered over every problem. It's like those, those guys who were thrown into a fiery furnace by a, another evil king. And it says that, that they saw the, the king who threw them in there says, did I throw three men into that fiery furnace? I see four men and the, one, the fourth looks like the son of God. Before we even knew who Jesus was, he was there in the fire, preserving their lives. And, and, and the king called them out. They don't even have the smell of smoke or fire on them. So here's something. When a gift is offered, just get this concept. We don't have to pay for it. Yeah, have you ever had that? You think someone gave you a gift, but then somehow they say, oh, you, you owe me? You think, but hang on, I got something wrong. Something got skewed here. I thought it was a gift. No, oh yeah, it was, but you know, it sort of cost me 150 bucks, so I kind of would like the, the, the money for it, please. We don't owe, in, in a normal sense, I mean, some people are, can be a bit, a bit unusual, but in a normal sense, we don't owe the giver, we just enjoy the gift. We don't owe the giver, we just take the gift. We just use the gift, because it's a gift. So, this next scripture, I think, has been uh, very misrepresented, mis interpreted over a long time by many people. I think I had misinterpreted it myself. Matthew 13, verse 44. says, The kingdom of heaven... Now, the key here is the kingdom of heaven. It's not the kingdom of us. It's not the kingdom of Rob. It's not the kingdom of Annie or the kingdom of, of anyone else here. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So... Here's the interpretation. God is the man who discovered. So sometimes we think, we're, you know, this whole Christian walk is we discover God, we, we give it all up. If that was the case, then no one would, no one would come to church except you know, dressed in your underpants because we gave it all away to follow Jesus. We wouldn't have cars, we wouldn't own anything. Because I gave it all away. Nothing else was worth Jesus. I, had, I just gave it all away. So the thing is, it's not us who gave anything away. It's the kingdom of heaven gave. God is the man who discovered the field is the world and you are the treasure. 
Oh, you're excited about that. So to understand what God was up to, here's an illustration. To buy something valuable, you have to give something of value enough to purchase it. That's pretty deep maths. To buy something valuable, you have to give something of value enough to purchase it. So let's talk about the dark side for a moment. I'll just let those thoughts sink in. The dark side of life. Satan challenged God because he wanted for himself the most things treasured by God. Treasures of heaven. God said, okay, challenge accepted, and he sent Jesus to earth. But what he, who's heard that, that meme this week, Karen, it's too strong for you? Did anyone see that? <laughs> well, Jesus, uh, God said to Satan, Karen, it's too strong for you. You're not going to win this. You're not going to pull that flag down. Sorry if you're not in part of the loop there, but um, it's funny. God said to Satan, challenge accepted. You want to go after the, the, the treasures of heaven? And I'm sure the devil's perverted and distorted perspective on everything didn't realize what was most valuable to God. What was the true riches of heaven? I don't know what, what Satan was thinking, but, but it wasn't what God had in mind. So the gift of heaven was now on earth, concealed in a human baby. The most precious treasure in heaven was given to the world, the gift that is Jesus. Now, if we just go back to Matthew for a second, if I can get, just digress. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in the field. In his excitement, he, he hid it again. What's that all about? That means that God saw the world. He saw humankind. He saw into eternity. He saw now our days, the days ahead of us, the days behind us. He saw it all. And it says he, he hid it in a field. And I believe that is a, the time of the law, the time of, of mankind trying to uh, make their way and deal with sin before Jesus Christ. That's the hidden time. Now we're living in the time where he's uncovered himself and he's come as Jesus. He's come as the Son of God to bring us salvation. I know that can be a bit confusing to people, but if you understand the law of Moses and the, and the law of the, the, the temple and all that kind of stuff, you'll understand, I believe that was that season of hiding the, the things that God wanted to say. So the gift of heaven is now on earth, concealed as, as a human baby. He's the most precious treasure in heaven and he was given to the world the gift that is Jesus. He came as a baby and grew as a child in a human body. He is the fullness of heaven's treasure among mankind, among people. That's why we talk about Christmas. That's why we have this annual celebration of Jesus' birth. Now, Jesus offers everyone the supernatural life. He wants you to live a supernatural life. He came by supernatural means, by supernatural power, and he didn't just come so that we could sing Christmas carols and, and, and uh, enjoy that kind of season, but he came so that we could experience living at a supernatural level that, that bypasses the natural and takes us into something better something from God. So the, Jesus offers every, everyone a supernatural life. Jesus can uh, bring you, in, usher you into a supernatural life of power. So Christmas isn't about consumerism and tinsel and Christmas parades and uh, um, all this other stuff that we, we uh, enjoy around Christmas. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But it's a time 
to reflect. It's a time to rejoice. It's a great time for family. Uh, It's a time to remember and rejoice that heaven's greatest treasure is gifted to us, is gifted to you. And I think making that connection this Christmas time would be a powerful statement of what the rest of your life is going to look like. In the book of Romans 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin, the dark side, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, as I said earlier, sometimes people have find it hard to receive a gift. And, and you know, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be strange if you thought, well, I'm going to set someone, up, set someone up for life. I'm going to give them a vehicle. It gets updated every five years. I'm going to give them a home gets updated every 10 years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them like a wage to live on. gets updated every week. <laughs> and say, so we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to look after something. This is a massive gift. And then the person that has offered the gift says, mm, no, thank you. No, thank you. Now, sometimes we think that that, that reaction is because we're scared of the We're scared of the strings. We're scared of what it's going to cost. But I want to assure you today that Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, is not like any other giver that you've ever known. So we can can lay down our fears. We can lay down our reservations and start thinking, well, you know what? I'm going to trust God. Because I can tell you the other boss is a mongrel. The other boss, the other boss doesn't keep doesn't doesn't uh, um, doesn't keep his promises. He'll promise you everything and give you nothing. He'll even, get, he'll even charge you interest. Can I just have the musicians come and join me again, please? Satan challenges God because he wants for himself the most precious treasure of heaven. Sin encroached God's perfect creation. Sin, so you might think, well, what is sin? I'm not really a bad person. I'll give you some definitions of sin. Sin begins by doubting God and then escalates after that. So the first, the first, I guess, separation we have towards the hand of God working is, is doubting God. That's, that's where sin begins and then escalates after that. Sin agrees with the lies of the devil and then escalates after that. Sin is a downward escalator when it comes to the things of God. But I want to tell you something, Jesus is like an elevator who will lift you past every doubt, every fear, every lack, every want. Jesus is the elevator of our soul. So the kingdom of God is like a man seeking treasure. God so loved that he gave. I want to encourage you, motivate you any way I can today to have faith in Jesus. Take a step off the downward escalator where there is, no, there is no promise of a future there. But I can tell you there is a promise in Christ for eternity that doesn't last for this life. It lasts forever and ever. So believe today that Jesus has put a value on you and said you are worth it and you can live supernaturally. And that's what we want to aim for in 2019 is to discover the supernatural life discover the the spiritual element that is part of us that is always part of us sometimes we ignore it we try and escape from it but Jesus wants you to discover it
Get on Jesus. Elevator for life. Take the gift that Christmas... Sorry, take the gift this Christmas. Jesus, the Saviour, is born. Jesus, supernatural birth, supernatural purpose, so that you can experience the supernatural in your life. What's a supernatural? It means miracles. That means healings. That means forgiveness of our sins. That means breakthroughs in, in areas where things have been broken down, where things haven't worked. We can trust God to put things back together again. Why don't we just bow our heads? I want to pray for you this morning. Lord Jesus, we want to accept the gift of Jesus Christ.